And she's like, hey, daddy, Easter is today? No, sweetie, you have to wait a couple more weeks. <laughs> she's really excited about that. But I'm really excited about something else. I believe that Easter is a great opportunity for us, the church, to share our faith to the non-believers. Do you agree with me? It's a great chance, you know, to invite your co-workers to come to our Easter Sunday and, and uh, listen to the gospel and uh, see them here at church. So that's great. Today we have started a new series. It's called At the Cross. And today, the, 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 the title of today's message is At the Cross with the Hardened Skeptic. Yeah, So we can start asking to ourselves, or asking ourselves, what happened at the cross? Maybe you know the story. Maybe you have read the Gospels. What happened at the cross? Who was there with Jesus? Maybe some of us, we have watched the movie, The Passion of the Christ, and we have seen that picture of Jesus being crucified, and we know that there was a couple of people around Jesus in that final hour. So, during the next weeks, we're going to be seeing, or we will be looking at the cross through the eyes of these people. Um, the cross, you know, has become the ultimate symbol of the Christian faith. If you have visited churches in your life, you will notice that all of them, I'll say 100% of them, they will have a cross in the building. Maybe, I don't know, in, in the front of the building or in the stage like today or, you know, here we have another cross. You know, is the cross, it's our symbol. It's, it's, uh, it's the symbol that church have uh, taken, uh, you know, to, to show our faith to the world. Um, every Christian church has a cross. We use crosses to decorate our homes, maybe. We wear crosses around our necks. I come from a Catholic country, Argentina, and in Argentina it's really common to see people wearing, you know, the rosemary. Um, the cross has become such a common symbol that it's easy to forget what it really means, what it stands for, isn't it? It's easy to forget. Okay, what's the meaning of the cross? We forget what really happened when Jesus was crucified. This is what the writer of the book of Hebrews tells us in chapter 12, Verse 2, Hebrews 12, 2, it says, We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who, who initiates and perfects our faith. I love the way that the writer of the book of Hebrews uh, speaks about Jesus, the champion. Is Jesus your champion? Let me ask you one more time. Is he your champion? Yeah, the champion, my champion. Now, here's why. Because of the joy awaiting him... He endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You know, those who were living during Jesus' time will never have worn the cross as a piece of jewelry. You know that? I've been reading the book, um, The Day the Revolution Began, by N.T. Wright. And in that book, he, he says that Jesus, probably Jesus, just like uh, many of, of, uh, of his uh, friends... Jesus grew up at the shadow of the cross. Because the cross, what, I mean, the cross didn't start with Jesus. The Romans have been using the cross as a way of torturing and uh, execute people for centuries. So, and it, it was common that the crosses will be put along the roads. So probably Jesus, when he was a kid, he was going to the synagogue or he was going to the market with Mary and he will look at the side and he will look crosses. All around. That's just disgusting. You know, living like that. 
Well, that was the that was the kind of a um, country or the, the the kind of society where Jesus grew up. And uh, it, we, we will never find someone, you know, in those times wearing a cross as a piece of jewelry. It never will have been a decoration in their home because the cross was a symbol of shame. The cross was a symbol. Of shame, nothing else. It was an instrument of fear that the Romans used to terrorize people. In this book, Anti Wright writes about this and he says the Romans sometimes used crucifixion as a way of mocking a victim with social or political pretensions. In other words, they used to say, You want to be high and lifted up? All right, we'll give you high and lifted up, we'll put you in a cross. That's what the Romans used to, used to do. Also, N.T. Wright uh, explains this. He says, The cross already had a social meaning. He speaks about the meanings of, of the cross in Jesus' time. He says, The cross had a social meaning. We are superior and you are vastly inferior. That's what they used to believe, the Romans. It had a political meaning. We are in charge here and you and your nation count for nothing. And it therefore had a theological or religious meaning. The goddess Rome and Caesar, the son of a god, were superior to any and all local gods. You know that Caesar, he believed that he was the son of God. You know that? That's why it was so risky in that time to say, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is the son of God. Because they believed that only Caesar was the son of God. So we see the cross from, you know, the meaning of the cross in Jesus' time. Now the question is, what the cross means to me? The famous Roman general sister called crucifixion the most, the, the most cruel and terrifying penalty. As we see, the purpose of the cross wasn't just to kill someone, but it was to, uh, to mock them. It was to send a powerful message that Rome was in control. You know, that's what's so extraordinary about Jesus. He... He, he didn't only die on the cross for me, he also carried the shame of the cross with him. He was put to shame. Through his death, what was once a symbol of shame was transformed into the ultimate symbol of hope for the world. And now is the symbol of my victory. The victory of Jesus Christ on that cross. It's that important. During this series, we're going to go back over 2,000 years in Jerusalem, to those few hours that change all of human history, we're going to take a look at the cross from the perspectives of, this, uh, of, different, of different individuals. And when you understand the cross, my friend, it changes you. And you will never be the same. We need to understand the cross. We need to understand what it means, the cross, to us today. What it means when Jesus said, take up your cross every day. Deny yourself and follow me. We need to understand the meaning of the cross. We need to understand the gospel. So we're going to look at the cross through the eyes of these people. And let's read now Matthew 27, verse 26. But before that, I invite you to bow down your head. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you today. Because we have the opportunity of preaching the gospel. And listening to the gospel. And respond to the gospel. Today, Lord Jesus, I pray. That this message will be a, an act of worship to you. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you bless the message, that you bless our, 
our, our hearts, our spirits, and that we will be attentive to your word. We will listen and we will obey your word. I pray today, Lord, that if we are here with, uh, and we are maybe going through a really hard time, that you will bring us rest and peace right now. I pray for rest and peace. This is a place of hope. This is a place of peace. This is a place of joy. This is the house of God. God dwells here with us. And today, Lord, we pray that you bless each one of these words, that you will use this word, the Bible, to shape and transform our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, our actions, our behavior, our emotions, our relationships. And we thank you for all this in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Matthew 27, verses 26 to 34, it says, 27, verses 26 to 34. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and and handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand then they knelt in front, of him, in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. So we see in the story, we see this, this man, this Roman soldier. He's the one that we will be speaking about today. He was part of this company of soldiers. They were mocking Jesus. They were uh, uh, torturing Jesus. They, they, they were making fun of him. They were spitting on him. All that. This is our guy today, the Roman soldier. The title of today's message again is, At the Cross with the Hardened Skeptic. And that hardened skeptic is this Roman soldier. So, today we are going to go through, or we are going to learn five grace, grace lessons from the life of this man. Now, can you imagine if this was your job, you know, to be a Roman soldier? That was another day at the office. Another day at the workplace. This guy used to execute people, used to torture people, used to, uh, you know, do all these kind of things to those that they call rebels. For him, this was one, you know, another day at work. It, it certainly had an impact on this Roman soldier, I believe, all the events that uh, took place in this day. And I don't believe that the Roman soldier was born a hardened skeptic, but I think he became one. He was exposed to this kind of job. It was not an easy job. So probably he became hardened, cold. You know, a hard life has a way of making even the strongest... The strongest of us is skeptic, even today. Do you, do you agree with me? If you are going through hard times, does that make you feel like closer to God? 
or away from God. If you're going through tribulations or trials, or you are going through a hard life, or you have maybe a hard life right now, or you had it before, does that uh, brought you close to God? Maybe. But in most of the cases, we feel like our hearts are just cold towards God. We, feel we are just f uh, full of doubts about God. Where is God right now? Where is He? I'm praying and He's not answering. I'm, talk I'm trying to talk to Him, but He's not responding. Th those are the kind of things that comes to our hearts and to our minds when we, when we are going through hard times. Sometimes real life is enough to turn anyone into a skeptic. Maybe you, you I don't know, maybe you uh, grew up in a family where uh, you wanted the love of your father, but he was just distant. Maybe you thought you had a marriage that was going to last forever, but your spouse just decided to walk out, and now you're alone and crushed. Maybe that dream career that you worked so hard for is gone. It's gone. And you feel lost. Or that, or that future family that you've been planning for years seems so unlikely now after yet another miscarriage. Maybe it's a loved one that you have who is ravaged with cancer right now and it doesn't appear that there's any hope. Sometimes real life is enough to turn anyone into a skeptic. Any one of us. Anyone. We're, none of us is exempt from this. That's why we need every day to grow into, into our relationship with, with Jesus. The truth is, it's only the power of God's grace that can break through a hardened heart. Amen? Do you believe that? Only God's grace can do that. Only God's grace. There are some of you, maybe today, who are here, and for whatever reason your heart has become hard. Life hasn't been fair. You feel mistreated, forgotten, alone, and it's... It's changed you. It's caused you to doubt, to, to doubt God's love for you, to doubt even God's grace. Maybe a couple of months ago, you were like on fire for God, but now you feel so distant. Why? What happened? Maybe we feel like we are just cold towards God. We don't, we don't want anything to do with Him. Maybe we're just pretending. We, we're coming to church with... We uh, sit in a chair, we sing a couple songs, but we're just pretending because inside our hearts, if we are honest with ourselves, we just feel cold. Today I want to explore some grace lessons from the life of this Roman soldier for you and for me. Because I've been there. I've been there. Just playing church, coming to church, you know, even doing things for God, but not feeling like there was a purpose behind everything. Feeling like, you know, coal inside. Today, the first grace lesson that I want to share with you, it says, and you can fill in the blank in your, in your bulletin. The first one says, God is always at work drawing people to himself. God is always at work drawing people to himself. The life of a Roman soldier wasn't easy. You know, it's uh, like our military today. They were called to be far from home. Uh, far from their families, they live in difficult circumstances. Oftentimes, they, they have to be serving at uh, hostile territories. They will have to put down rebellions. They will have to build forts, build walls, do this, do that. It was not an easy job. So you can imagine for this Roman soldier, when he woke up that Friday morning, he was expecting just another day of the same old toil. 
Have you felt that, like that? You know, like every day is the same. The same breakfast every day. Like this week I have the same breakfast every day. English muffin <laughs> with egg. <laughs> Made for you cereal. I don't know. The same breakfast every day. You know. Um, hearing the alarm clock. You know. Uh, and then jumping out of bed. Going to, to the bathroom. Brushing your teeth. Eating that breakfast that it's already cold and then just rushing towards your workplace. And it is like that every day. And then coming back from work, listening to the same radio station, dealing with the same traffic, memorial or whatever route you take. Or just taking the train and the train is delayed. You have to wait. Coming home, having dinner with your kids. With your family, maybe, or not. Maybe they are studying or they are away and you're just having dinner again alone. Maybe watching some sports. You know, watching the Calgary Flames. Sometimes winning, sometimes losing. And then going, going to bed. And the next day, the same thing. And the next day, the same thing. And the next day, the same thing. So it feels like life doesn't have a purpose. It's just a routine. And that's where God wants to jump in and say, Stop. You're not on this earth just to live life like that. I have a a great plan for your life. I, I have a great plan for your family. That's when God is just calling us to come to Him. To have time with Him. Maybe for this Roman soldier it was like that. He was like, what's the purpose? What's the value? The turn of value in what I'm doing. Does it really matter? This futility can harden you to the point where you can't even recognize God when He's working in your life. Maybe you are not seeing God's blessing right now. Maybe you may even start to doubt that God cares about you and that He has a purpose and a plan for your life. But this is what the, the Bible says. Book of Acts chapter 17 verse 27. It says... God's purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps fuel their way towards Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. I'll say it again. He is not far. Friend, He is not far. He is not far from you. He knows you. He is even close to you. Even when, when you feel like, well, where is God? He's right there with you. He's right there. Just talk to Him. Talk to Him in your way to work. Talk to Him on the train. Talk to Him while you're driving. Talk to Him. Talk to your God. He's right there. He's not far away from you because He loves you. Look, maybe right now it feels like God is a long way away from you. Maybe you are struggling. It feels like, God, you're not answering my prayers. That's so common eh? to hear people saying, I don't know where is God. God is not answering my prayer. Maybe he is answering, but not in the way you expected. He's, he always answers. But sometimes it's not according to our will. It will always be according to his will. The good news is that through every event, through every circumstance, the good and the bad in your life, God is working for your very best. God's goal for your life is for, for you to turn from your sins, from your own way of living And to follow Him. To let Him be your leader. To let Jesus be your Lord. To trust God with your future. And with your purpose. And with the meaning of your life. To trust Him. To put, to put Him first. That's, that's His goal. 
The goal that God has for my life is that I will allow him, allow him to be my Lord. One thing is to say, Jesus, you are my Lord. And we sing about that. But what happens Monday morning when I'm at work? What happened during the week? That's what God wants. He's always working, trying to draw us close to himself. Romans 2.4, it says, Don't you see, don't you see how wonderfully kind, I love the words that Paul uses to speak about God, how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? God is kind. He is kind. He is kind with everyone. He wants everyone to come to him in repentance. He's calling us to repent of our sins so we can have a relationship with him. So we can have the, the security that if he comes today, he will take us. And we will go with him to heaven. If today is our last day on earth, we will have the security that we have lived for the glory of God. And nothing else. And we know where is our place. You know, God has a purpose for, had a purpose for the Roman soldier that day. He was working in his life even though he didn't see it. I want you to understand God is working in your life today for your best, even if you don't see it. You need to believe it. That's what faith is all about. When I don't see it, but I believe it. Grace lesson number two that I want to share with you this morning says, God desires everyone to come to Jesus Christ. God desires everyone to come to Jesus Christ. Is there someone in your life right now that you just think to yourself, well, that guy, he's a lost cause. He will never come to Jesus. Is there someone there? Maybe, I don't know, your husband, wife, children, friend, father, mother, mother-in-law. That's the hardest one. Anyone that you believe, well, I don't know if that person will ever come to Jesus. Well, let me tell you, if, if we are going to speak about lost causes, I believe this Roman soldier... Wow, he was a lost cause. Isn't he? He was crucifying the Lord himself. He was torturing the Lord. And for me, it's just crazy. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to spoil the, the end of the message, but I will do it anyways. It's crazy for me to believe that this guy was flogging Jesus, was spitting on Jesus, you know, was making fun of Jesus, and then... When he saw the signs of the, of, you know, of the power of God being manifested when Jesus um, breathed his last breath, he just bowed, bowed down before that cross and said, This man, he is the Son of God. The same guy, the same person, in the lapse of a few hours, Wow, went from being a total lost cause to a witness of the power of God in Jesus Christ. Man, and that's your story. 
And that's my story. We were enemies of God. We were enemies. We just deserved his, his wrath, not his love. But he loves us. And because of his kindness, and we just read about that, he draws to himself. That's just amazing. God desires everyone to come to Jesus Christ. The truth of God's grace. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God still loves you. Amen? Now, this we believe. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, God still loves you. And He's calling you to come back. To come as you are. You know? God loves the sinners of this world. God loves the, 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 you know, the, the people that are, that are like, Lord, I'm just so weak. Don't you feel like that some mornings? Like, you know, just telling the Lord, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I'm just weak. Okay, that's great because God loves that kind of people. Jesus spoke about that. He, he, he told the story about two guys coming to the temple. One of them was in the front saying, Lord, I thank you because I give my, the tithes of everything I earn. I'm so cool. I know all the, all the Christianese that I need to know. And I pray so good. And I have such a charisma. And I'm way better than that poor guy in the end. In the end of the alley. And he was in the front praying all out like that. And the Bible says praying to himself. Not even to God. To himself. Be careful sometimes when we try to do things for God, and at the end we're just doing it for, for ourselves and not for God. Then Jesus speaks about the other guy. He said there was another guy in the back of the temple, in the back. And he was praying to God, and the only thing that he was doing was, Lord, be merciful to me. I'm just a sinner. And Jesus said that God loved the prayer of that guy, and he hated the prayer of this other guy. That's how it works. God loves sinners like me. Like you. And he's calling us to come. Just as we are to him. That's grace. Romans 5 verse 7 and 8 says, Now most people will not be willing to die for an upright person. Though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God show, showed His perfect, His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us. Now that's real love, isn't it? That's real love. Second Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. The Lord does not want anyone to be destroyed. He wants the best for you. But He wants you and me to come before Him and to repent. Today He wants to wipe away those past sins and give you and me a new life in Christ. A new beginning, a fresh start. I need those fresh starts once in a while. Do you? You know, like walking up in the morning and saying, Lord, I just need a fresh start. This is a new day. This is a new week. This is a new season for my life. Okay, God loves to give us those fresh starts. 
Grace lesson number three I want to share with you today. It says, God never gives up on anyone. So if you want to fill up the, the, fill the blank in your bulletin, in lesson number three, we, we, the, the title says, God never gives up on anyone. God is always at work because He wants everyone to be saved, and that's why He never gives up, gives up on anyone. You see, when the Roman soldier woke up that morning, he probably wasn't looking for God. But here's the thing, God was looking for him. Maybe you are not looking for God right now, but that doesn't mean that God has stopped looking for you. He's looking for you. He's looking for me. Where is my son? I miss him. Oh, I remember the last time he came to my presence. It was a long time ago, but I'm still looking for him. I'm still trying to get his attention. You know, that's how God works. He wants to get our attention. Second Samuel chapter 14, 14, it says, God does not just sweep, sweep life away. Instead, He devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from Him. It says, He devises ways to bring, bring us back when we have been separated from Him. God had never given up on that Roman soldier. It's possible, you know, it's possible to live your life in such a way and to experience such distress and disappointment in life that you begin to feel like God isn't paying attention. God isn't paying attention to me. God doesn't care about me, that He's giving up on, on me. Well, my friend, God doesn't give up on anyone, even the people that you and I will give up on. You know? We just learned this. This guy, he was a lost cause, but God didn't give up on him. God never gives up, neither should you. Never give up. 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 Arturo just read, read to us a beautiful psalm at the beginning of the service. It says, While the nation... Maybe they are shaken. We will not be shaken. We have our trust and our, we are secure in the palm of the hand of God. And we will never give up. Do not give up. Do not give up on anything. Do not give up. The only time that you need to give up is when God is telling you, well, it's time to that. You stop doing that. You need to give up on that. But in everything that God is leading you, do not give up. Do not give up with your marriage. Do not give up with your, chil- with your children. Do not give up with, with your ministry. Do not give up with your, with your future. Do not give up. Christianity is all about hope and faith and nothing else. Do not give up. Amen? That's why we, we learn about this guy, the Roman soldier. Also, grace lesson number four. God can transform instantly. God can transform instantly. And we see that in the life of this man. One morning he was just saying, you know, a lot of curses towards to Jesus. And, and then a couple hours later he was praising Jesus. Makes no sense. The same guy. Why? Because God was at work in him. And he transformed his life. Mark 15.37 it says, Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last. By that afternoon, his life, the, the, the life of this Roman soldier, his heart had been transformed. 
Maybe he woke up that morning feeling the same. You know, the same old routine of every day. Feeling the same cold inside his heart. Feeling away from God. Feeling, you know, feeling like a, like a hardened skeptic. But a couple hours after, we see him bowing down before the Lord and praising the Lord. Then the Bible says that when he died, when Jesus died, you know that, something extraordinary happened. You know the story in the Gospels? You know what happened when Jesus died? It says that there was an earthquake. First sign. Earthquake. An earthquake. God was telling the people there's something happening right now. During the earthquake, rocks split apart and that in the, in the temple, there was a curtain in the temple that separated where normal people could go, could go and then the holy place where only the priests could go. If, if you have read the Old Testament, you know about this. There was that big curtain, thick curtain, that, was se- that separated the holy place from the normal people. Only the priests could go inside only one time every year. And when Jesus died on the cross, you know what happened with that curtain? The Bible says that that same curtain was split in two from up to bottom. God was doing, was doing this. He was saying, this is it. I want to have a daily, all the time relationship with my people. I don't need priests anymore. I don't need a couple of uh, enlightened people. I just want to have a personal relationship with all my children. That's what that curtain was ripped apart like that. Then the Bible says that in Jerusalem and around Jerusalem that tombs opened and godly men and women were raised from the dead. It was an incredible sight. Could you imagine that? The walking dead, literally, walking among them. Walking among them. That was crazy. The Roman soldier was standing there witnessing all of this. And the Bible says that at that moment his cynicism melted away and he believed. Some people just need to see all these signs to believe. They are just like Thomas. We want to touch. We want to see. The thing is that God will allow sometimes for, the, for these things to happen. He will maybe, if he needs to bring a sh- an earthquake, he would do it just to get your attention. But the Bible also speaks and says that we need to walk by faith and not by sight. He's calling us to come. Are you asking God for signs? It's okay, do it. But he's asking you and he's calling you to believe. Matthew twenty-seven fifty-four. it says, The Roman officers and the other soldiers at the crucifixion were terrified by the earthquake. And all, that ha- and all that happened, and they said, this man truly was the Son of God. This man truly was the Son of God. Man, that's uh, the most powerful declaration. You are the Son of God. And we're talking about Roman soldiers. I just told you that for them, the, the Caesar was the Son of God. Could you imagine What would it mean for them to say, Roman soldiers, Caesar, you are not the son of God. Jesus, this man that we just crucified, he is the son of God. That was risky. How are we showing our faith to others? 
Is Jesus truly your Lord? Do you believe that He's the Son of God? Do you believe that He's the God-man that died on that cross for you, for you, for me? That Roman soldier discovered who Jesus really was, and he was transformed by the power of the cross in an instant. Now, what does it take to be transformed? It's the same thing as the Roman soldier. He believed and he said, truly he is the Son of God. And this is the Gospel. Romans 10, 9, our memory verse of today says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord. In other words, if you speak about Jesus... If you are declaring that He is your Lord, a lot of people are like, well, I don't need to say anything. My acts will show people that I'm a Christian. That's a lie from hell itself. You need to speak about Jesus. You need to share the gospel. You need to make disciples. That's what the Bible calls us to do. Not to come to a church because I love the coffee, I love the lights, I love the music, I love the people there, I feel at home, like a social club. This is not a social club, this is a place where you come to be challenged by the gospel and go out there and make disciples. That's why we are here. Because you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. And one day, I will have to give accounts to, to God himself if I preach the gospel or not. And you will have to give account to God himself if you make disciples and you make the most of your life in this earth making disciples for Jesus Christ. No, Lord, I just use my time to go fishing. To buy a boat. No, Lord, I didn't have time. I was working all day. Okay, I put you in that work because I want you to be a light and, and soul in that workplace to, and make disciples. What are we going to do with our Christianity? What are we going to do? This Roman soldier, he was bold. He is the son of God. I don't care if now they take me inside and they cut my throat. Because that's what they used to do with the soldiers. You know, that decided to just turn their backs to Rome. I don't know about you. I don't know about me. What are we going to do? Jesus, you are the Son of God. And right now, in the state of our society in Canada, we need to speak up. We need to speak up in schools. We need to speak up in, in, in our colleges. We need to speak up in, in the workplace. Whatever we can. We need to speak up. And say, we believe in Jesus, the Son of God. And this is why we believe. This is why we believe. This Roman soldier, he was so bold. And he openly declared that Jesus is Lord. And it says, he believed in his heart. Romans 10, 9 says, Openly declare that Jesus is Lord with your mouth, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. That's true faith, to believe that Jesus, he raised from the dead. And that's why we are celebrated in Easter. His resurrection, not only his die, that he died on the cross, but he also, he's risen. He's risen and he has power. He has the same power. That's the gospel. Believe in your heart and openly declare with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord. And the last lesson that I want to share with you this morning, it says, God uses me to share his grace. God uses me to share His grace. 
The Bible doesn't speak to us about what happened with this Roman soldier. We don't know. The New Testament doesn't speak about him. We do know that in the book of Acts, there are other Roman soldiers that came to Christ. But we don't know about him. But we, we, we can read in Scripture, and we just did that, that he believed. We don't have a historical record, but we do know that his life will never be the same. Because once you encounter the power of the cross and you believe in your heart who Jesus is, your life can never be the same. Your life can never be the same. If you leave this building being the same, the problem is, I don't know, it could be in the preaching, yes. I'm not perfect, but this is the word of God. If I leave this building I'm the same, the problem is that I was not listening. You know what, what was the number one commandment for Israel? And the one that they kept forgetting and disobeying? The book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 6 says, Shema Yisrael. Listen, Israel. Your God. God is your God. And then comes all the commandments. But if we don't listen to God first, we can't obey the Bible. We can't obey what God wants us to, to do, you know. His directions. That's why we need to listen. Now the question is, am I listening to God right now? Am I listening to God every day? Am I, am I having times of devotion with the Lord? I know it's hard. We live, you know, like in a rush all the time. But just stop. And talk to God. Listening. Listen to God. This man, the Roman soldier, his life was never, was never the same. He was transformed right there. And once you become a follower of Jesus, God has a new and, ex- and an exciting mission and purpose for your life. I just talked to, talk to you about routines. You know, what's the best for those boring routines to do something that you don't feel comfortable with? Like, for example, inviting someone to church for our Easter Sunday service. I'm saying that you don't feel comfortable because, to be honest with me, I, I, I mean, if I, if I try to be honest with myself, or, or you are honest with yourself, when was the last time that you invite someone to church? When was the last time that you make a, that you make a disciple? That you share the gospel with someone? That you explain something about God? That you, you know, that you preach? When was the last time? That's why we need to be effective witnesses of the gospel. And this is the exciting Mission that God has for you. Matthew 28, you know it. And those who are studying with Pastor, Pastor David, they, they, they know about this. They are studying this. Bible, the, the Great Commission, what it is. Go and what? And make disciples. It says go to all the nations. You don't need to go to all the nations. You have all the nations living in Calgary. It's true, right? All the nations are living here. I would have changed it. I would say, go to Calgary <laughs> and make disciples. Teach them the gospel. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we have this great opportunity of sharing the gospel this upcoming Easter Sunday. And next Sunday, I will, I will talk to Pastor Roy. Maybe we will have some handouts that you can take home and that you can bring to some friends and invite them to come with you to our Easter Sunday on April 1st. We want everyone to have a chance to encounter Jesus the way the Roman soldier did. We do want that. The final verse that I want to share with you is Titus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. 
For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all the people. As a conclusion, let me ask you today, how is your heart? Is your heart on fire with God? It's getting lukewarm. Or is right now really cold? And you feel like really far away from Him. Or you feel like God is far away from you. It's just not the same. Are you blaming God for something right now in your life? Are you struggling with doubts, fears, anxiety about your future? When you look at the cross, over there now, when you look at the cross, what kind of emotions and feelings um, burst inside of you? Today is the day to come close to God again. Just like this Roman soldier did. Today is the day to start fresh again. To reconnect with God and say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I want to be with you. Lord, I want to follow you. Lord, I want to declare to everyone that you are my Lord. That you are the Son of God. That you are the Christ. That you are risen. Have you been struggling maybe with doubts and fears lately? And how does, how does that have affected your relationship with the Lord? Secondly, I invite you to think about your mission as a Christian. What is your mission? We know the Bible says clearly that it's to make disciples. Are you making disciples? Are you sharing the gospel to someone? Have you shared the gospel to someone last year? What about this year? When was the last time? And I want with you, I want to pray. And I want to pray to God that he will help us to be effective witnesses of the gospel to our friends, to our family, to our neighbors. Amen? We will pray right now together that God will give us the boldness to preach the gospel. God will give us the, the power the power of the Holy Spirit to share the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone. And if you right now feel far away from God, just let God touch your heart one more time. Just open your heart and, and tell Him, Lord, I need you. I need you. But for that, we need to get rid of our pride. We need to get rid of our ego that is trying to just blame others and blaming the church and blaming even God Himself. And we need to come with a humble heart before him and say, Lord, today I repent. I invite you to pray with me. This morning we're going to close this service like this. Take a moment. Close your eyes. Meditate on the word. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word today. Lord, we thank you because... Um, you have thought about us even even since we even since we were we weren't born yet you thought about us Bible says that you form us and that um, you brought us to, to this world with a purpose Lord I want to pray with the church we pray together I'm not here to pray for the church I'm here to pray with the church we're going to pray together, Lord, and we, we pray together for boldness. Lord, we repent. 
We need you, Lord. We need your love. We need your power. We need your, your spirit to touch our hearts, to touch our lives. Lord, I pray that you, sh- that, uh, you s- stir up our hearts one more time. Lord, we need to feel your Holy, your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come with your fire and that you uh, set our hearts on fire one more time. We repent, Lord. We repent for walking away from you, for not listening to you, for even blaming you for things that maybe have happened in our lives or maybe they're happening right now. Lord, today we come before you with a humble heart and we repent. Lord, I pray that you bless us and that as we leave this building, this world will challenge the way we think, the way we we decide, the way we, we live. That you will make us, Lord, effective witnesses of the gospel. And if, if there's someone in this place that haven't accepted Jesus as um, his Lord and Savior, I pray that, that you will do this with me. That you will do this simple prayer, just like we learn in Romans 10. That you will believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, number one, and that, and that he's risen from the dead. And then you confess it with your mouth. Say with me, Jesus, I repent from all my sins. I come before you today with a humble heart. I want to accept you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I want to walk and live this life following you. You are my leader. You are my Lord. You are all to me. Lord Jesus, I want to make disciples. I want to live this life to the fullest. I want to know you every day more. I want to live a happy life serving you. I want to feel your joy every time, Lord, I pray, every time I read scripture, every time I serve you, every time I, I share the gospel with someone. And I thank you, Lord, for all the great plans that you have for my life. I decide today to stop believing the lies of the enemy. That my life is worthless, that I don't have purpose or mission. I do. I know I do. God said so. I know. And I decide to believe in Scripture. I decide to believe in the truth. I decide to believe in Jesus, who is my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.